This episode of the Word and Youth Ministry podcast is brought to you in part by Crossway, publisher of the ESV Student Study Bible. From the Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to the Word and Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are for episode five of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with my friends today, Matt and Linda. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty well. Thanks, Kyle. Good uh, I, in Florida. Yes, Linda in the sunshine state of Florida, and it is hot. It is summertime, no matter where we're at recording right now. And no matter when you're listening to this, uh, we're excited as we continue our conversations here in the Word in Youth Ministry as we aim, uh, the three of us being youth workers, uh, trying to help train and equip any youth workers, whether paid or volunteer, to just continue to handle the Bible in a way where when we teach the Bible to the next generation, we're doing it in a way where we're helping students grow intellectually in knowledge about the Bible, but also equipping them in how to read the Bible for themselves, both now and for the rest of their lives. So today, as we uh, think about this topic uh, that we're going to be discussing, teaching hard passages of Scripture, we realize that there's 66 books in the Bible, um, and we realize that in these 66 books, there are a lot of difficult passages and difficult topics that come up, um, not only for us as youth workers, but also for the students. Um, and before we jump in to discuss a little bit about how to deal with tough passages, I think a fun place for us to start for the three of us, and Linda, let's start with you. Um, out of all 66 books of the Bible, what would be one or two books that you think, if you were teaching it to students, uh, you'd really have to work hard at teaching difficult passages of Scripture? Yeah, so I guess I can say I have taught on the book of Revelation, and that took a lot of thought um, and a lot of preparation and lots of looking at commentaries um, because you get about five chapters into it and it's going okay, and then all of a sudden you're like, what did I just read and what is going on? Um, so that's definitely one. And then I would say probably when you get into some of the Old Testament law, like Leviticus, yeah. um, kids are going to have lots of questions about why does this matter? Yeah. Um, those would be ones that come to mind for me. Yeah, especially when they, we, you know, I don't know, we hear Leviticus known as like the black hole of like the, read the Bible in a year, mm -hmm. right? Where people yeah. get all excited to read Genesis and they get to Leviticus. And then when we try to teach it to students, many of them have never read it before. So yeah, that that's difficult. How about Matt? What are a couple for you? Yeah, you, you took my Leviticus one. I think that's definitely pretty scary. Um, I think really fun, but also hard are just some of the, the long passages in the prophets. And one of the reasons is because you're trying to help a student like understand what's happening in the geopolitical world of the ancient Near East. So there's a lot of history and there's a lot of kings and there's a lot of symbolic language that connects with that geopolitical history. And that can be kind of daunting and hard sometimes, especially if you don't have a mind for that history yourself. 
Um, and I, I think that is so difficult because that culture is not only so different from our culture today, but can be so different from the New Testament culture where the gospels are written and even as Paul in the early church. Um, so it can be difficult when we're jumping from culture to culture. So I was thinking for me, one that, that can be difficult is when we're trying to teach um, stories that seem familiar to students, but where the character of God is portrayed in a way that is hard for us to understand. Um, such as, uh, you know, several years ago when I was teaching through Genesis and we get to all the sin in the world and, and God thinking through um, why he created humans or in, in Jonah when it seems like God might possibly change his mind and what he was going to do. Um, stories that, you know, in VBS and in children's ministry that sometimes can be portrayed as simple. Um, but when we get to teaching students, we go a layer deeper um, and can be difficult at times. So uh, for our listeners who um, may be listening to this episode of this podcast, our goal here is as we think through tough passages, we want to give some principles that can help us as youth workers think. But then in a, in a few moments, we're actually going to think through a difficult passage. So Matt, why don't you start off this conversation? What are a few tips or things that we should think about when we're um, going to teach difficult passages of scripture? Yeah, that I would. One of the things that I would start with is I would just kind of remind us that we're reading a human book. Now, of course, the Bible is divine; it's inspired, breathed out by God, but it's written by human authors. And so, when we're interpreting the Bible, we want to realize that the very same principles you would use in like English class to determine what a passage is talking to you about are the same principles that you would use when you look at the Bible. So, you want to ask a question: Well, what's the genre here? Is this poetry? Is it prose? Is it a letter? Or is it something else? Uh, apocalyptic literature, like in the case of Revelation or some of the prophets. Um, and so what, what that pushes back against, what's important is that oftentimes we think that we, we fall into two traps. We either think that we need to have a super spiritual interpretation so that there's some sort of like something kind of like spiritual that I need to do in order to understand the word of God. To be sure, the Holy Spirit must give us understanding about who he is, but that doesn't mean that we take an approach that is like Ouija board-like when we read the Word of God. We read it like a book, because it is a book. The other trap that we fall into sometimes is that we try to read the Bible in a literalistic way. That is that every single word has some sort of deep meta-meaning, and if and if like each word is put together in this kind of like almost coded way that God is trying to give us something underneath the text. And that's not really true either. That really, um, if you are good, if you're decent in your like reading uh, in your English class, you'll probably be decent at reading and understanding what the Bible has to say. Matt, so what you're saying, let, let me just clarify this, because uh, I, I think similarly when I talk to parents about their kids reading the Bible, is one tip we can give parents is just to encourage their kids to pay attention in English class, right? When they're in school, to as they're learning literature and as they're learning different, um, different skills, that some of them might even be holding their breath when they walk in the door of English class because they don't want to be there. Um, that's actually one way that they can grow in Bible reading. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I know that's not super fun, but is definitely a helpful principle when you think about the Bible. Yeah. And especially because uh, to learn different literature in English class is one thing, right? It's important as part of the, our educational process, but because we have God's word revealed to us in the Bible, right? It's one thing to learn something to get a grade in a class. It's another thing to read God's word and to hear from the living God. And so these are just ways that we can encourage 
uh, encourage parents and youth workers to continue when we get to difficult passages. Um, one thing that I would just want to add to this list as um, we announced in our last episode that our podcast is, is currently being sponsored by Crossway, the publisher Crossway, is I'm, I mentioned this in episode four, but the ESV Student Study Bible has a glossary in the back of it, um, which can be very difficult when we think about reading difficult passages, is there are words that seem foreign to our teenagers' current language. You know, recently I, I was telling a group of people that I don't try to be cool with our teenagers because I can never keep up with their lingo. Um, but then when we look back to what the, the language of the Bible, right, there's words that are difficult for us to understand and difficult for students to understand. So one tip I would just give is for um, youth workers to get a study Bible in the hand of their students that has a glossary in the back so that before we can understand the meaning of a text, we need to know what the words actually mean, right? Because the words point to something bigger and something more broad. Matt, are there any other uh, thoughts you have about um, about this, or Linda, do you want to add uh, any thoughts about just teaching difficult passages of scripture? Sure, yeah. So I would say when I come across a difficult passage, one of the things that's easy to fall into is getting bogged down in the details. You know, Revelation would be one of these, like, what do all of these specific images and things mean in this passage? Or even passages where Paul's making particular arguments. Um, it's just really easy to get confused when you're trying to answer very specific questions about what's going on in the text. And sometimes I find it really, really helpful to back up and say, okay, let me look at the bigger picture of what's going on here. And what are the things that I can answer? And the things that I know I can teach from this passage, even if I'm not particularly sure about this one question, um, is having the answer to that one question essential in order for me to teach some broader principles from the scripture passage. Um, so yeah, I think focusing on what, what I know I can conclude from this passage, even if I still have some other questions, can be a really helpful way to approach it. Yeah. And for our listeners, just to, to understand how we teach the Bible is portraying to our students how they can study the Bible on their own. So as we even navigate, right, it's very important for students to hear from the person opening the Bible that this is a difficult passage. Or Linda, to like you said, that there are some things in this passage of scripture that are unclear, and we're going we're gonna, to um, work into those today. But let's focus first on what is most clear. Um, and as we teach these principles by opening the Bible with our students, we're helping them when they're reading the Bible on their own, realizing, you know what, I have no idea what this passage means, but let's focus on what we can first know and what's most clear. So today I'm super excited. We're going to dive into a passage. We're going to think through uh, what we would consider a difficult passage to teach to students. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 5. Uh, Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 12 to 21 today. And as we do this, we were joking around before we started recording that in our youth ministry world, right, we talk about popcorn prayer and popcorn reading, right? We all know what that's like when we say, hey, we're going to have prayer requests now, um, but since we're running out of time, let's just, whoever wants to pray, uh, you can just pray when you want to. And, and Matt, normally what happens in your youth group when, when that takes place? The awkward silence commences. Yes. And uh, it's normally ended by the youth leader just saying, okay, I'll just finish this up in prayer. <laughs> Yes. And so as we think about this today, we're just going to do popcorn reading. We're going to read. We're not going to read one sentence at a time, although that might be enjoyable. We're going to read one paragraph at a time. We're looking Romans chapter five, verses 12 to 21. We got three paragraphs here. 
and Linda is going to start us off reading the first paragraph, and then whoever can read quicker, Matt or I, whoever can get to the second paragraph first, uh, it's going to be like Bible quizzing. Uh, it's going to read the second one, and then uh, the opposite person will read the third one. And we're going to read these verses, Romans 5, 12 to 21. Then we're going to dive in and think through how we can put these principles to practice uh, as, is, as if we were going to teach this uh, text to teenagers. So Linda, start us off reading God's word for us right now. Okay. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is God's word, Romans 5, uh, 12 to 21. So let's think through this now. How would, we, how would we think about this if we were teaching it to teenagers? And Linda, why don't you start us off here? Uh, what principles come to mind that you would start thinking through? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so kind of showing you behind the scenes of how I would... Uh, think through this, or I guess the phrase we've been using is we're taking y'all into the kitchen today. Yes. Again, it's a food podcast. Um, <laughs> so I would think through, first of all, there's a lot going on in these verses. And I would want to identify what are the key concepts here? And what are the key words? And how do those things fit together? Um, when I identified those, I would want to think through, is there a way that I can summarize this passage um, in one or two sentences? How does the whole thing fit together? What is the argument and the structure here? And I'd also want to think through the context of these verses. So first of all, how do these verses fit into the overall context of Romans? What is the overall argument of Romans and how does this section fit into that? Um, you could look at a study Bible and um, the, the outline it gives you of the book or a commentary would do the same and just figure out how it fits into what Paul's trying to do, particularly in Romans, uh, and how it connects to other pieces of Romans that might inform what you're trying to understand here. And then I would also ask, what about the broader context of scripture? Are there other scripture passages that inform my understanding of what's going on here? Especially if there's other places where Paul talks about these same concepts, that could be helpful. Um, or if I could see if he's making any 
references to some Old Testament things that might be helpful to kind of understand that theme throughout scripture. So those are probably the places I would start as I was trying to get a handle on what's going on in this passage and what do I need to teach. Yeah, so as we think about context and as we think about this passage, this is an example where the words that we have help us help inform uh, what the context is, such as we just see here right in the very beginning in verse 12, we see the word therefore, right, which is pointing to what came right before it, um, which we see if you're listening while you're driving, don't look at a Bible, focus on the road. But uh, and we see here in Romans 5, verse 1, it talks about um, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see a little bit later, right before this passage in verse 11, we see um, it says, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation, therefore, right? So all of this is building a foundation that helps prop up this passage that we're reading, which helps make us understand in verse 12, where it says, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned, right? This sin is being talked about because right before this passage, we realized there is a solution to this sin, right? And the solution is Jesus. I also want to point out real quick before I pass it on to Matt is we see the therefore in verse 12, which is super important as we understand context. But then we see another therefore come up again in verse 18, and just one principle, which I think pointing to what Matt said earlier, when we think about just um, literary tools that we can have, is when we see repetition within a passage, it can help us understand the structure of the text. So what this does is it kind of breaks this passage into two sections, which would be 12 to 17. And then we have the therefore again, which would break it into verse 18 to 21. And this can just help us especially in a passage which is difficult to communicate, it can just help us get our minds around how the text is, is structured, which can help us get an understanding on what might be the best way to teach it to our students. Matt, why don't you continue this conversation? How would you think through this? Yeah, to, to get into the weeds a little bit here, there's a couple of things that seem to re be repeated a lot, uh, both in this passage and also in Romans. And one of the, those words is justification. We see justification show up in Romans 3, 23 through 25, Romans 4, 2 and 3, and then basically that whole discussion uh, of in Romans 4 ends up with uh, Romans 4, 25, who Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And then a cluster of other words around that word justification are the words counted. So our sins being counted against us or righteousness being counted to us, credited. And so what that's going to do is that's going to help us to see that Paul is connecting this argument here at the end of Romans 5 with these other two arguments to say, let me tell you what justification is. Justification, then we know, is in this realm of God has counted or credited something to us through faith in Jesus. We call that righteousness. Um, and the other thing that I would look at too, in this passage is there seems to be an antithesis. There's one man, Adam, and then there's another man, Jesus. And these two men keep are, are pitted against each other, not in, not in an antagonistic way, but there's something that happens to all of us who are connected to Adam, which is sin, condemnation, and guilt cluster of those words. And then there's something connected to all, or something about us who are connected to Jesus. There's 
righteousness and credit it to our account and justification. And, uh, and so I would, I would, when I was, when I'm teaching this passage, I would really want to play up this antithesis between, okay, what does it look like to be in Adam? And what does it look like to be in Christ? And how do I not be in Adam? Because all those words are bad, but how do I be in Christ? Those words seem good to me. And these principles, as we think about teaching them, I mean, in our youth ministry world, it can be popular for us, and not only the youth ministry world, but I think the, the broader just church world, is it can, be, it can be popular to think, what do my people or what do our students need to hear? And then let's find verses that would prop that up and what, what we could communicate to them. But as we're discussing this passage here, we see if we're going to communicate this in a way um, that is true to what the text is, we must start in the text, right? We must get these things right and then work towards them um, before we think about application, which I think usually can be flipped in our youth ministry world. And as we continue to think about this text uh, specifically in Romans 5, Linda, how would you uh, practically, based on what we've just talked about, how would you practically teach this to students about the difference between uh, uh, sin spreading through Adam and righteousness coming through Christ? Yeah, I think that that concept um, is actually a really great thing to bring up with students because this connects with things we've talked about before on this podcast, that there's a way to teach scripture where you're both teaching the content of it and you're helping students learn how to study the scriptures while you do it. Um, this is the kind of passage where if, if the setting were right, I would take out a whiteboard and I would write Jesus on one hand and Adam on the other end of the whiteboard. And then I would have the students with me say, okay, what are the things we notice in this passage um, that happen when you're connected to Adam? And what are the words in this passage that um, are associated with being connected to Christ? And let's just identify those together. And then we can see it visually in front of us, um, how there's such a great contrast between it. Instead of just doing the work for the students, that's one of the ways to make the lesson more interactive, more engaging, and help take students um, in the kitchen as well. So they're learning how to study the scriptures as you're teaching them. I just think that this passage sets itself, um, sets itself up well for that kind of interaction. So now we're gonna go to a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of the Word in Youth Ministry is brought to you in part by Crossway, publisher of the ESV Student Study Bible. This Bible is ideally suited for students who are serious about God's Word, who want to learn more about what the Bible teaches and how the Bible applies to all of life. With 12,000 clear, concise study notes, the ESV Student Study Bible includes numerous other features, such as nearly 900 Did You Know Facts, 120 Bible Character Profiles, 10 Topical Articles, more than 80 maps and illustrations, and more. These and many other features make it the most comprehensive and content-rich study Bible available today. To learn more, visit crossway.org slash youth ministry. As we come back here for the second portion of this episode of the podcast on uh, dealing with difficult passages of Scripture and how to teach them, to our students. We're thinking of Romans chapter five. And in the first portion of the podcast, we talked about 
uh, the contrast between Adam and Christ. And I want to take a little more time for us to dive deeper in here to think through what this looks like. So Matt, you already explained this in, in the first portion. Let's dive deeper here on this connection in this passage that Paul was explaining. Yeah, as, as we start to understand this, our kids are going to start asking questions. And so one of the things that we need to do as we talk about the Bible is we need to begin to um, anticipate the kinds of questions that our hearers are going are gonna to have about the text, particularly those things that are like really difficult to receive or culturally very different for us. And so that's just kind of a general principle. The way that, that the rubber meets the road in this passage is the kids are going to start asking, well, wait a second. I'm guilty because of what Adam did. How is that fair? So the question of fairness is going to come up to them. And then also the question of, well, like, I, I'm an individual, like, shouldn't you only be responsible for, for what you do yourself? How am I responsible for what Adam did? And um, recognizing that that's going to be a big question that comes up is important. And, and some of the ways that I might kind of handle that is first say, look, this is the way that God has set up the world to run. That's not, that's not a very like pastoral or helpful thing, but we actually recognize this in a lot of different ways. So think about your family, the choices that your parents made have a deep and lasting impact on you. And you didn't make that choice. Um, the way that other people in your life have chosen to act or relate to you has a deep and lasting impact on you, but you didn't make that choice. So there's all, we're always, those people who receive things about ourselves and for ourselves that are made uh, from decisions made by other people. And so that's one of the ways that I might start talking about that uh, with how they have a corporate connection to and guilt in Adam. Yeah. And I would go off of that and also make sure that as students are asking those questions and we're answering those things, we also don't let them just focus on the bad news of the text, but also see the good news in the text. Um, and the good news in this text, I think is, is really easy to find. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to find, but um, this is where even something like a, a study Bible could be really helpful because for instance, you look at ESV um, study Bible for this and they give section headers for this that have everything to do with hope. Um, this section in particular in their kind of outline says it's about the hope in Christ's triumph over Adam's sin. And that exists within a larger section about hope as a result of righteousness by faith. You know, and so we've got to make sure, again, if we're considering this passage in its context, that we're talking about the hope that we have in Christ. It's talking about a free gift that we get by God's grace has come to us through Christ, right? That's something I'm going to want to really key in on as I teach this passage that yes, there's bad news. Um, if we are connected to Adam, um, but there's good news if we are connected to Christ and, and the good news of Christ um, doesn't make sense if the bad news about Adam isn't first true. Um, so that's something that we'd want to major in, I think, as we're teaching on this passage is the hope that it teaches. And this is so crucial because when we think of counseling students, uh, we would love, the one thing we always want to do is offer hope, right? We always want students to know that there's hope in Christ. And when we think about moving beyond just counseling a student, when we think about teaching the Bible, whether you have 
three students in your youth group or 30 students in your youth group or 300 students in your youth group, right? This is an opportunity when we open God's word, especially in passages like this, that as Linda just mentioned, we want people to know there is hope that's found in Jesus. And although we'd love to have that conversation one-on-one with every kid in our youth group, when we're teaching the Bible, this gives us the opportunity to do that and to show them that there is hope and it's in God's word and it ultimately points to Jesus. Think of just a couple other principles that uh, I would use as we uh, wrap up this conversation is uh, we want to teach students uh, to summarize the Bible um, and to maybe think of one or two sentences to summarize a difficult passage. But one principle we want to teach them is maybe even before we summarize that passage is see, is there a summary statement in the text itself? So as we think about these verses in Romans 5, I think about Romans 5 verse 20, where Paul writes, now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And this just kind of ties a bow on this whole conversation, because where we started several minutes ago with Linda talking about context, we remember the gospel was explained here through a man whose name was Saul who was a Pharisee, who was attempting to keep the law more and more and more, but he realized how empty that was apart from Christ. And so we could just point students away from Romans 5 here and take them back um, to, to the book of Acts where this man met Jesus and how everything radically changed for him. Well, this is different than having the students make a summary statement on their own. We see the summary statement uh, written by Paul in this text itself and help them realize how we get there. Um, without cherry picking, without just trying to see what seems most clear, but literally having them do the work in their text itself. Matt, well, w- what comes to mind uh, as we continue this? Yeah, I, I, I just love, um, I love where you guys are going with this about the hope of the gospel for our kids. And, and I, I'm just looking at verse 19, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's the kind of the bad news, the difficult thing that we have to receive. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And, and I think that like, just as a general principle, when you ask your kids, like, how are you going to be made righteous? The answer that they're going to say is, well, okay, like I have faith in Jesus. That's a thing that I just like did a long time ago, but now I have to get to work and obey. So I'm going to be made righteous by my obedience. And, and just about the hope that Linda and Kyle, that you guys were talking about, it is so beautiful to be like, no. Let me tell you the good news. It's not by your obedience. It's by one man, Jesus. Um, yeah. And, and this is all in this passage. I think when we started this conversation, we talked about it's a difficult passage to teach. One thing we're realizing here is uh, this one passage could be stretched in many weeks of youth group, right? And sometimes that's possible, but sometimes when we don't have as many weeks to talk about a passage, we just take what's obvious and, and what's most clear and then touch on the other things that are more difficult in order to try to help our students just have a rounded view of what the Bible says. Last thing we want to talk about today is, um, Linda, what do we do or what do you, let, let's say, what do you specifically do Um, When we're teaching a passage like this, and maybe we get to the end and we're like, you know what, I am still lost. There are still things that are unclear for me. What are some resources that you would recommend uh, our listeners go to in order to try to make sense when we're kind of at the end of our rope? Yeah, if I've done the work of trying to study the passage on my own, I've looked at some study Bible notes and stuff like that. And it's just still really confusing. That's the point at which I'll get on probably a couple of websites um, just to see what's out there in terms of resources on this. So two that I might look at is the Gospel Coalition. 
and Desiring God. And those um, websites both have scripture indexes where you can look through articles and sermons based on the scripture um, that they're about. That can be a good place to find what have other people concluded about what to teach about this passage. And that has been helpful to me in, in many cases. Yeah. And there are these uh, websites when we find credible websites that can help us in there. They're also, um, it's a good tool for us to put in the hands possibly of our students, but especially our youth leaders, right? Where we realize depending what kind of format we have, I know here in our church uh, on Wednesday evenings, when I teach the Bible, then they go to small groups where the kid might not be asking, the student might not be asking me the question, but might be asking their youth leader, their small group leader, uh, a question about the text. These are resources like Linda just mentioned that we want to get in the hands of our leaders so that together we're growing more and more uh, in our understanding about the Bible. So as we wrap this episode up, I, I, we want to let our listeners know in future episodes, we'd love to continue talking about difficult passages to teach students. Uh, so if you have a recommendation of a passage you'd want the three of us to discuss, uh, you can email us at the word in ym at cpyu.org. That's the word in ym at cpyu.org. As we heard earlier, uh, uh, Linda has taught the book of Revelation. So if you have any questions on Revelation, you can just uh, send us an email and say this is specifically for Linda. Uh, but also, uh, we'd love to hear any other feedback from you at that email address. We'd also just ask that you would like, share, and subscribe on whatever pl uh, podcast platform you are listening as we look forward to continuing to discuss these important topics as we continue to think about the word in youth ministry. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the word in youth ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.